You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, that sounds different. It does. We're back in the studio. We are back from, sorry, three podcasts in a row that were outside the studio because we were traveling and we ended up doing even more than we thought we would on this pilgrimage trip. So we ended up with an extra podcast out of the studio. Thank you guys for being with us. And we are back still kind of reeling from how awesome that trip was. Yeah, all three of us are still a bit jet lagged. Really, I know we keep talking about it, but you guys need to come with us. Yes. It's so great. Yes. We did so much. Mm-hmm. And it's yes, it's tiring and you're jet lagged, but the food was great. The people were great. And yeah. the cars, it was endless good fun. So if you even have a thought about it, we're going to go next year again. Mm-hmm. It is a thing. And we're happy to be back doing it. But totally. We, yeah, we want all of you with we, us. We, we joked, uh, only half kidding, we joked about we wish we could go twice a year. Like a late really spring do. and then a fall trip. But, yeah. the, but and, I'm, and I'm putting this out there to you guys. I don't think we would have enough of you that can join us to make both those trips viable. But we did have a full you trip. You never know. Who knows? You we, never know. We'll see what the interest level is. We did have a full trip this year. It was our biggest trip ever. We had 11 people with us. We ended up, uh, we were going to have 12. We didn't have 11 people with us, which was wonderful. It, it worked out really, really well. And you know the big takeaway I had about the trip after the fact is that you and I have done this multiple times. Uh-huh. Which is crazy to say, uh-huh. but when we're there, it feels really special. I agree. And, and you every time think, it has, you would think that when we go, we'd be like, and, and it does feel. It's also starting to feel very normal and 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 like at home a little bit to us. There's mm-hmm. certain things we do that you and I just feel comfortable because we've been here before. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't shave off at all that element of just wow, this is special. That yeah, maintains, even though you and I have done it before, and, and we have Ted that goes with us every single year. Anytime anybody apparently is getting on a flight to go to Germany to, to get on a racetrack, Ted's going with him. So thanks <laughs> for going with us, Ted. But Ted goes every year, and he loves it. So I, I, I can't get over the fact that it maintains that special feel, even mm-hmm. though we've done it before. So we hope you guys can come. It is totally worth doing it. We know because driving on a racetrack is not cheap. We know the trip is not like, you know, hey, play money. We're, we're aware not, of the fact yeah. that the trip is expensive, yeah. but we do everything we can to make it as affordable as possible because you are on track with an instructor, gas, food, lodging, helmet, go. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> telling you. Well, season 11 has begun officially. Mm-hmm. It began while we were in Germany. Mm-hmm. Episode 2 plays tomorrow, Saturday, July 9th, 2022 wow. at 7.30 a.m. Eastern. This is an episode about executive EVs. Mm-hmm. We drove the Audi e-tron GT and the Mercedes EQS, both electrics, and we compared them because they're two very different cars, mm-hmm. but the price points were exactly the same. Right on top of each other. It was amazing. Yeah. So that full comparison is on TV and it's also coming to YouTube in a couple of months. And what we're doing is just slowly going to be trickling out the TV episodes to YouTube. You'll see those coming. And we can't wait to share them with you. Yep. But first, they go to TV to because of our sponsors, who we cannot thank enough. Covercraft, yep. Griot's Garage, and Autotempest.com slash everyday. If you're using the code for Covercraft, use everyday22. If you're using the code to shop at Griot's, make sure you use eDriver. And then again, Autotempest.com everyday. So they know we sent you when you're doing your car searches. And I have to say that we have reached that time of year when Covercraft sunshades are vital. There are sunscreen things Agreed. that they make. I, it Honestly, I, I, I realize they're our sponsor, and I'm supposed to talk. I get that. But I also 
can't get over how much better and happier I am when I use that thing. Yeah. Park at a parking lot anywhere in the middle of the summertime and put that sunscreen up and get back mm-hmm. in the car and be like, okay, that is quite bit. But when I forget to put it off, I feel like a bonehead when I get back in the car. You, you have to have one. I totally agree. I totally agree. The next episode after that, I'm teasing you. That is oh, the yes. road to F1. Uh-huh. This was the three formula cars that we shot from the collection of our friends at Greer's Garage. And they were so gracious to let us do that. That was shot in May. And that is the next episode, episode three. It is sp- spectacular. The sounds coming have, out of yeah. the back of those cars is spine tingling. You have to watch that episode with a so set good. of good speakers near you because it sounds wonderful. Guys, we have six great episodes coming and they are, as Paul already said, they will be coming to YouTube. But remember, they're going to come to Amazon Prime. We're going to give them away to our patrons that are at the proper level. They'll come to Amazon Prime after that and they're working their way to YouTube. There is one exception. And that is we're doing these road trips with our cars of the past. Mm-hmm. And yes. those are becoming TV episodes as well. But, but the road trips are so huge that it's becoming larger stuff for YouTube than it even is for TV. And just based on the way our schedule is working out and because we have two more trips to do, our monster, and I cannot stress this enough, our monstrous East Coast film <laughs> is coming in less than a week to YouTube. It is going to be an hour long on YouTube, which is longer than both of the episodes combined that are coming to TV later, later in the season. This is coming next Thursday, so be ready. We're going to be promoting it next week, all week. I cannot tell you how much I want you guys to watch this. I am trying to prep you now because we want everybody watching it so it gets a really great trajectory on YouTube because it is, it's fun. It's interesting to watch the road trip go by, and you and I get goofy. There's some goofy going on in this piece that you have to see to believe. Well, there were some planned stops that we yes. knew we were going to have fun uh-huh. and shoot a little bit of stuff. And Stupidity. I, I love yes. that you had you know some vision in mind as a uh-huh. director. You had some vision in mind. But then they turned out even funnier once we were there and we yeah. started screwing around. We, we kept looking at it's each great. other halfway through all of these setups and going, we're really doing this, aren't we? <laughs> and, and so we're excited for you this guys to see I that. This is what I do. This is it's, Tuesday. It's really? really, really a very fun piece. And we, we did 2,400 miles in those cars. So there's a lot to talk about. It's going to be great. It's summertime, which means it's track season. And if you're anything like us, you're looking for your next track event. And no matter what your skill level, this is why motorsportreg.com is awesome. It's ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. But what's even crazier is you can actually get notices about stuff in an area around you, too. I get those emails, and they're awesome, and they remind me I don't go to the track enough. With over 7,000 events annually, it's the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're an event organizer, Motorsport Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve your accuracy, and grow participation, plus a full-time support team who are there when you need them. You can learn more and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver. It has been a long time since we've debated properly, and we've got two great ones. Mm -hmm. First, from Evan H. in West Michigan who is trying to find ways to smile even more. He's got Mm. the practicality versus sports car debate, right? We also have John G who writes to us as a person, a driver who prefers being pulled through a corner. That's right. He loves front wheel Mm. drive cars. So we're going to select a few for him, but first let's dive right into Evan's email. He lives in West West Michigan, currently driving a 2019 Volkswagen GTI with a manual transmission. Mm -hmm. Before this, he was driving a 2012 Volkswagen GTI. Okay, so he likes the GTI. This is the big takeaway. Likes a manual GTI. He, he guess what? He, you know what? Evan bought a GTI. You know what we had before that GTI. You know what he might buy next GTI. Maybe so. Uh-huh. But he says it strikes a great balance of fun and practicality. We For agree. Sure. The minister of finance to be, which is a new term. <laughs> that is a new term. 
We need, do we need an alternate shirt for it's that? Not fiance. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> be careful how you throw that around to the minister of finance to be, by the way. But hmm. yeah. Well, she drives a 2019 Hyundai Kona and really enjoys it. Okay, great. They don't have kids yet, but they do have two medium size, approximately 30 pound dogs that they like to travel with. Okay. Being able to haul the dogs and their gear while having fun is something that GTI is great at. Sure. He finds himself offering to drive more often than not when they have to go somewhere. Now, Evan has over double the miles of his fiance's car mm. and got his car after she got hers. Okay. So they take it everywhere. The GTI goes he drives everywhere. drives it a lot, yes. But he's recently been searching for something that offers a different driving experience. Good, good. The GTI is a great car, he writes, but with the Kona in the garage as well, he could always go for something more sporty, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yes. Yes, for sure. Yep. He says part of him is really interested in a new GR86 or maybe even holding out for the Z car, although it would have to be the base model, which is fine. He suggests a Mustang GT used or a Cayman. Porsche has always been a dream of Evan since being around a friend's collection of air-cooled 911s, mm. but it feels like a distant possibility with a lot of possible trouble. And a really big price tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Air-cooled Porsches right now. Oof, man. Yeah. All right, well, moving on, he says another part of him doesn't want to lose all the practicality and maybe get something like a used Julia or an M car. Mm-hmm. He says the M2 seems perfect, but does not quite fit into the budget without spending a lot of time searching or dealing with high mileage. Sure. Evan loves driving a manual, even though his fiance does not know how to drive a manual. She is hesitant in learning. Mm, okay. So thoughts of an automatic have been creeping into his mind. Maybe as long as it's a dual clutch or a ZF8 speed that everyone loves so much, but he wonders how long would it take to miss the feeling of rowing his own gears? <laughs> Months, weeks, perhaps a few days, mm-hmm. probably minutes. We yes. might be able to use a stopwatch. Yeah. Hmm. Just saying. I don't have a manual anymore, do I? <laughs> and start driving the automatic only and realize, uh-oh, I think I've made a mistake. Evan feels like his options include a strict budget of $40,000. He says, parentheses, seriously, guys, no going over $45,000. <laughs> so there's your cap, Paul, forty-five grand. All right, all right. Anyway, all right. yeah, okay. He gives us options here. Should he sell the GTI and get a sports car like an 86 or a Mustang or a Z if available and start using the Kona for hauling? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Should he sell the GTI and search for something similar in cargo space, but sportier like the Julia or the M car? Yeah. Should he keep the GTI as a daily and search for a less than $20,000 sports car for some extra fun on the weekends? The GTI is currently in the garage, but he could make room for something else if it was the right car. Okay. Should he also keep the GTI and stop wasting his time looking because the market is crazy and (laughs) just enjoy the beautiful cornflower blue color that he currently owns? He finds himself spending a significant amount of time thinking about and searching for new options to scratch the itch. Okay, love it. You are not alone. Mm -hmm. This is all of us. Yes, all the time, actually. This is what Auto Tempest is for. Constantly. (laughs) He knows he's not in the position to find a dream car or a forever car, maybe just something something new to him since the majority of his driving life has been in a German hot hatch. Yeah. Not a bad place to be, he writes, but he's always curious about what else is out there. Does he need to be slapped back into reality? Or is it worth worth it to spend the time and find something that might make him smile even more? This is interesting. I like this, Evan. There's there's some there's some good stuff to unpack here. I like of all these four options you gave two that start with sell the GTI and two that start with keep the GTI, yeah, yeah, which yeah. made me waffle because I thought, well, if you're always starting with sell G- sell the GTI, guess what you should do? Sure, sure. But you came back and said maybe I keep the GTI. Maybe you do mm-hmm. nothing and you yeah, say yeah. just enjoy the car. Now, Evan. It, doesn't sound like you have a pressing need to switch cars. Definitely not. You just want to, and you mm-hmm. want something new. But according to car enthusiasts, that is a need. <laughs> it is It is our need, yes. Uh-huh. Forget Porsche for now. 
Okay. Just put them off to the side, put them yeah, in the future. Sure, sure. I don't think Porsches are right for you at this time in your life. Look at that. Whoa. It's yeah. a big step. It's a baby step, but it's a step for me, right? I, 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 I'm amazed. No Porsches is, is a is I, a. am not a recovery a program. That's I will a never milestone. Join, yeah. I will never join a Porsche. Okay. Stop driving Porsche recovery program. That's not me, but still, for Evan, I don't think they're right for now okay. because of great. cost of maintenance and because mm-hmm. you're going to want to do stuff and keep it nice and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Cars for you to look at if you decide to sell the GTI. The new Mini Cooper JCW is awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's excellent. Yes, it's slightly more than (laughs) (laughs) $40,000. Yes. But it's brilliant. It's a slightly used one. And and actually, you know what? I'm reading now two things. Gas gas prices are starting to slowly come down. I'm glad for that. As are car prices. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like a switch has been flipped. But we've all been we've all been wondering where's the top on gas prices and car prices, and it appears that we have gone past the peak on both. So stay Good news. tuned. We'll see. This Mini Cooper, Evan, I think is more fun than a, than a GTI. And if you saw our yeah. review yeah. on the Test Drive channel, mm-hmm. it was just great fun. Yeah. It was so good to drive. That's if you spend all your money, you get a new car, and you get rid of the GTI and spend all your money and get something sure, new. Sure, sure. But you've kind of just replaced it with a different badge. You've kind of done the same, mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same recipe. Yeah, just for sure. Maybe a little bit more fun, but maybe that you're smiling more and maybe it hurts to smile now. And that's good. <laughs> We've done our job. Honey, my face hurts because of the car. <laughs> yeah. Face hurts. Those guys. I also thought about the Hyundai Elantra N, six speed or DCT, but then you'd have two cars from Hyundai Group. And it's a four-door sedan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it doesn't seem like, even though it's great to drive, we actually had it scheduled mm-hmm. for this TV season. And due to a scheduling mix-up, it, it just is what it is. The cars yeah, were shipped yeah. out to do a driving event, and we had a plan, and they didn't get back in time. And it we, just, it. Yeah. we didn't get a, our chance to drive it yet. I maybe, still hope that's coming. next season. That, we'll, that, we'll we see. put it on the calendar. Look at that. But again, it's more of a sedan and mm-hmm. longer wheelbase. Even though I've heard they're great to drive, we want to drive it. I'm not sure I can recommend it, but then I do have the Honda Civic Si, which is also a four-door. We have yeah, driven it. True, it's loads true. of fun. It's a manual, mm-hmm. and it represents change for the sake of change. Okay. All right. Yeah. You've uh, you've got a different car now. You've paid less money than mm-hmm. 40000 hopefully, but I'm not sure. I don't want you to just do a lateral move. We're, I mean, unless you got the funds, it's just lateral move after lateral move. And you're paying tax, title, and registration every sure. time. Yeah, yeah. And then you're paying whatever depreciation. Maybe your car appreciated in value and you can afford to keep incrementally going up. Mm-hmm. But that's usually not the case. And mm-hmm. that isn't the recipe for buying cars. Yeah. So in the sense of just lateral move to get something different, I'm, I think your smile will stay the same. <laughs> okay. All right. right? Fair. Yeah. I, I, I think you'll yeah. just be yeah, yeah. equally happy. Hey, Honda Civic SI. I like it about as much as the GTI. They're both good. Mm-hmm. Lateral move. Okay. So I'm wondering about keeping the GTI, spending less, and finding yourself a BMW Z3 mm. to add. You mentioned mm. you could add. Mm-hmm. Find one. Find one. Okay. But hang on. I do have a wild card. Oh, good. Because I kind of do think you should start driving that Kona more. It seems to sit. It's like mm. a... GTI without the magic, without the mojo, and it'll okay. haul probably just about as much as a GTI. Mm-hmm. So why not put the dogs in there, take that on a road trip? It's probably excellent to drive for a road trip. Mm-hmm. You're not screaming along like you do in the GTI. You're just on a road trip. Mm-hmm. So 
Since you're not done with the feel of the GTI, how about an Audi TT? Now that's interesting. Okay. It's All GTI, right. pretty yeah. much. Yeah, underneath. It's GTI, yeah, oh, sure. Different cool looking shape. Yeah. You yeah, love how the GTI dynamics. drives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an Audi. It's like the sportier dynamics of what he has, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. But that car is the one I think you could justify moving on from your GTI love. But Interesting. It, it keeps yeah. your GTI love because if I you sell it. your car, you're like, oh, I don't have a GTI in my life. I see it. But you got an Audi TT now. Yeah, all right. And we have plenty of time to go to Caymans and Boxsters and rear-wheel drive stuff, unless you get that Z3, of course. But, of course, good Z3s have gone up in value. But I still think ten dollars to $15,000 range, you can get somewhat decent of a car, a Z3. Okay, yeah. But what about a TT? Hmm. Just asking. Maybe you can get a TT for equal money and maybe you like it a little bit better and you're still in that GTI kind of feel because you love them. Mm-hmm. TT. I like that. I didn't expect you to go there. What's interesting is you and I both went kind of in a similar direction, but we picked different cars. Evan, the thing that I, that I read here is your your GTI love is not only long running, but it is, it's such a limited experience in who you are, but you aren't saying, I don't like this. This has been a, a mm-hmm. universal experience mm-hmm. for you. It's been just GTIs, but you still really like it. Yeah. So what I want to be very careful of here is you stepping out of that GTI into one other car. It's the one ring. Okay. I don't want you to step <laughs> off into one other car and then not like it. And then yeah. feel like you, you made a mistake and you're stuck. So I far prefer the third car answer here. Big time. Okay. Fair enough. You keep that GTI fair because enough. it is a known commodity and you like it. And what I want to see you do is use that. The fact that the GTI works and the fact that the Kona works, use that as a launching pad to explore but you haven't left the stuff you like that you need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you still want to take all the family road trips with the dogs in the GTI, you still can. Sure. I sure. agree. The Kona would be fine, but it'd be fine. Yeah, there's no reason you couldn't, you couldn't yeah. make the leap, but I'm very worried about you taking the leap away from the GTI and feeling like you've made a mistake. And what would, what I'm, what concerns me is the retraction. You jump from the GTI to let's just say a Julia, let's just say the M2. And for whatever reason you decide you don't like that, mm-hmm. then I think you're going to get out of that car and go, I made a mistake and buy another GTI. <laughs> I want you to have yeah. the GTI yeah. that gives you just the nice, safe, warm bath. It's just, it's there and it works. And I'll write that down. GTIs equal warm bath. Yeah, exactly. Didn't know that. So you have that and you can step out and try other things. So that means we're going to try something very different. Okay. Okay. All right. You're going to take that 20 grand or so and you need to buy. Here's where I went. You need to buy rear wheel drive, manual transmission, convertible. That's the list. Pretty so much. It is just a full on third car. I also think you should buy something that it doesn't have to be precious because it costs under 20 grand. Your wife can learn to drive the fun car manual. Yeah. Which yeah. could be really cool. So the obvious list here for me is a third or fourth gen Miata. That's the NC or ND Miata. It's good. Go shopping for those. You Can guys you get will NDs fit. for under 20? Early ones, yes. I don't think you'll so get not the, with the updated horsepower engine. But, okay. but, okay. And may, maybe, maybe you can get to 2019. You can find somewhere. Maybe. It just depends on what you can find out there. But for $20,000, you can get into a fourth gen. So a third or fourth gen Miata. Mm-hmm. This is where Porsche does reenter the conversation for me. Look at the early Boxsters now. Maintenance. There's a lot of known things in the earlier boxers you can buy and solve. Mm-hmm. Look at our cheap sports car piece where we did the, the all the cars under eight grand. They're all more than eight grand now, but you can still find them out there. So boxers are actually a real find at that. I'm going to go Z4 instead of Z3. I think Z4 is a little more accessible. The Z3 is little. 
And I think I, I just think the Z4 is a little more accessible. Plus, granted, I did own one. And then my wild card in this group that still works is the Fiat 124 Spider, the alt. That to the actually ND might Miata. be attainable. More car, newer car, yes, for equal or less money. Those cars yeah. don't they don't seem to have a great resale. Whereas the Miatas have a better resale. So you may find a 124 Spider really, really good for price wise. And here's my here's my challenge to you, Evan. Buy one, drive it. Uh, find, honestly. You need to drive it all the time. The reason this car doesn't go out is because there's a legitimate reason that car won't work for you doing X. Otherwise, it's the car you drive all the time. Could take at least one dog. For the next six months. Trade off. That car goes out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And six months from now, assess what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And then compare and contrast to what you like and dislike about the GTI. Because I think you need this hardcore experience of comparative experience to figure out what your next actual maybe single car is. Mm-hmm. We need to get you away from the GTI while the GTI is still there and have a lot of life experience and go, ah, I think my next car needs to do, what's that list? You'll know, Evan. You drive that, drive that convertible all the time. Plus, you can do, it's summertime. You can do good weather convertible nights out with your fiance. The dogs have to stay home, but you guys can go out. Minister of finance to be. Yes. Be careful there. So <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's some real life experience here that you can get without a whole lot of cost. I think drive that car for six months. It, say you want to get rid of it. It'll retain enough value. You can get back out of it. Yeah. See, I like that. He's not touching the original garage, the original yeah. recipe, yeah, and yeah. the car can come in and leave his life mm-hmm. as quickly as it came in. Mm-hmm. And just, you've got that experience. And what if your life changes? Yep. You haven't upset the apple cart. You, haven't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I do like it for that reason. And you've spent less. But sometimes we blow it out and get nuts and say, you know, wipe out the garage. But in this case, Evan, I, that's my feel. I, I like the Miata, but I, I still maintain a cheap Z3. I think you'll love that thing. They are now, good. There's the maintenance cost. Didn't we used to have two dogs? Yes, I sold one because we, <laughs> we car needed maintenance. Yeah. Something. No, yeah, that, that, that wouldn't be good. That's terrible. If you've got a debate like Evan's, write to us every day, at gmail.com. And you can find us on the website, too, where we've got two YouTube channels. Go to everydaydriver.com. And you've got across the top, you can see the second tab in YouTube, and you can choose Test Drive mm-hmm. or our main channel, and that's why where the East Coast piece is coming. It's, mm-hmm. it's so funny. It's ridiculous. It, it Every time great, I think way. of a gag, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's another one, too. Yeah, we did that one as well. It's, it, we really had a lot of fun with it. Speaking of things on the website, you can go to the Store tab on the website, and that will take you to either the stuff on Amazon or actually what's more pertinent for time frame right now is Blipshift. We are one of the many partners on Blipshift, and the current shirt – through to today when you listen to this podcast is the current American original shirt in a new color. So be sure you grab that one before it's gone. We are updating every week right now on Blipshift, so be sure you look there. Your brakes are one of the most important components of your vehicle. When they wear out, don't just replace them, upgrade them. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes and components on every vehicle in every situation from towing to track days. We're talking about bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Now, every PowerStop kit comes with all the parts that you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads and rotors and even clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low noise and low dust. I've got it on my 300ZX, and I can tell how little dust is on those wheels. So the next time you need brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. We've found kits for our SUVs, our sports cars, and even our cars of the past. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. John G. writes to us as a person preferring to be pulled through a corner. Hmm. He's got a car debate for his next car, and he's owned a string of entry-level type cars, usually front-wheel drive. 
Then he bought a Hyundai Veloster N. <laughs> okay. He has decided he's never going back to boring. Good for you. But he's selling the N for reasons because he bought an O2 Toyota MR2 and a 2013 Fiat 500 Abarth, both selling, manual. Selling for reasons. <laughs> so those are the two cars that he has now, the MR2 and the 500 Abarth. Very cool. He prefers small, nimble, lightweight cars. Okay. And the Veloster N was bigger than he wanted, but the most aggressively fun car he's ever driven. It, that's excellent. It's really good. I agree. He says the cars he's got now, the MR2 and the Abarth, put together don't equal the Veloster N, but they're cheaper to run and own. Okay. He drives a lot. John delivers in his cars about 35,000 miles a year. Okay. And the MR2 gets driven two-thirds of the time because it's got enough room for 98% of his deliveries. The remaining 2% get handed off to someone else if he doesn't have the Abarth available. Now, keep in mind, this is the MR2 Spider, which is notorious for no cargo space. I, I want to really, really drive that home, that John is making that work for deliveries 98% of the time. You must be delivering like someone's like food. Folios of paper. Seriously, yes. Please take <laughs> this sheet of paper this to that to, person this across town. This needs to be town. signed. DocuSign yes. wasn't available for whatever reason. Anything that essentially can sit in the passenger seat of a car is what John is delivering. But the MR2 works for most of it. I think that's amazing because the MR2 is crazy fun but I would never think of the word I deliver in my car and I drive an MR2. I never think that sentence goes together. I know. He says the MR2 doesn't allow him to carry both his girlfriend and the grandson at the same time. True. They do sell a luggage rack that mounts over the engine. Maybe he could rig something up. You, he you likes the Abarth. You can't put a girlfriend or the grandson on the luggage rack. Yeah, though. that's, that's not the good. problem. Anyway, yeah. He says he likes the Abarth, but every time he drives it, he feels the battle between the two souls of the car. <laughs> America's Chrysler and Italy's Fiat. It gets worse. It's funny. He says he says he's pretty sure that those two companies are fighting over who fails next, who fails after that, who fails first, and how catastrophically. This is the problem, is that he's worried about two unreliable cars being merged in one car. He said even further, there are three, he describes them as easily ignorable lights on the dash at a worrisome clunk between the transmission and the engine that his mechanic cannot figure out. But uh, it doesn't affect how it drives. Yeesh. It just affects how much it stresses him out. <laughs> he says, ultimately, the issues with these cars are not really the problem. They're things he doesn't mind living with because of the fun they provide. Yeah. However, he knows they're not forever cars, and he's looking for their eventual replacements. Now, what's interesting about this is that John says, yes, small, lightweight, and fun, but he prefers front-wheel drive. As much as all of we enthusiasts have all heralded Oh, rear-wheel drive is the king. There, There is a reality here that in some cases, people prefer front-wheel drive. I know when I had my Mini Cooper, and I really liked it, the only thing I didn't like was I realized I just really, as far as cars I own, I just don't really want a front-wheel drive. It mm -hmm. was very, very fun. Mm -hmm. I just don't, not into it. I prefer rear-wheel drive. But there is the reverse. Yeah. And, and that's where yeah. John is. I mean, the Veloster N is amazing. It's great. Now, a manual transmission for John has always been a must. But as he gets older, he keeps telling himself that an automatic would be fine, maybe on the next car, the one after that. He hasn't been able to let himself go there, but he might consider it. He's also saying rear-wheel drive isn't out of the question. All-wheel drive seems like added complexity and weight he doesn't want. I might have an all-wheel drive suggestion. I, I think I do too, yeah. But he needs to be able to have two cars available, so the budget can't be too large, no more than totaling $30,000. Now, he's driven cars that we might recommend that don't work. He's trying to do an end run on us. Uh -huh. He's like, yeah, I've, I've heard these guys before. <laughs> he brought up the GT86. He wasn't thrilled with the Bradley interior, lackluster power. Right. But the worst part was jumping into and out of the cabin quickly because, remember, he delivers for mm -hmm. a living. Yeah. still don't know what. Yeah, yeah. 
The Veloster N and the MR2 are both far easier to get into and out of than the GT86. I will say that a lot of your issues are resolved in the GR86, except for the getting in and out doesn't change, so it's yeah. still out. Still the out. Ford Fiesta ST he brings up, he loved this car. He says the moment he put it into gear and drove off, it immediately synced to his brain, <laughs> and he and the car were one. They were in this they're, zen-like they're state. so cool. He drove the car for 400 miles and was reduced to tears when he had to give it back. That... You can't ignore that, John. I mean, you he can't, can't ignore that, that, that feeling. Right there, it's pretty much so far, the paragraph goes on. But so far in this paragraph, that's the car that wins. That's exactly the feeling you want, and it's everything you want. It's front-wheel drive and all the things except the seats. Yeah. He does not fit in the seats. His rib cage couldn't handle the bolsters. And I know what you're thinking, dear listener. You're thinking, well, he should not get the Recaros. These weren't the Recaros. <laughs> These were the normal seats. <laughs> And they didn't fit. The Recaros right. would have hurt our friend John. Sheesh. He would have been like in real like serious pain. So the normal the normal seats in there don't work. So the Fiesta ST sadly is perfect and out. Mm-hmm. I suppose a seat retrofit, if you ultimately really wanted, you I, could go down I that suppose. road. But then where do you start? You'd have to sit in a bunch of seats and then make it. Eh, and maybe. the problem is when you when you retrofit seats, unless you go like somewhere else in the Ford lineup, retrofit seats they don't get less aggressive. That's Most true. of the aftermarket seats are more aggressive, and his problem is these are too aggressive. Mitsubishi still might have a collection of bad seats they, they want to get rid of. They probably do. You know, yeah, you could maybe do a direct straight across with somebody with an Evo. I'll, you, I'm going to give you seats with bolsters because you need them. You take, <laughs> let me take those off your hands. Pile of stuff in the back, used mattresses. Ah, here they are, the terrible seats. Yes. Finally. Well, John says possible considerations are a 2013 Mini Cooper S, JCW if possible. He says it's heavier than he likes. But he's concerned about the maintenance cost. Mm, okay. He sat in these. They seem comfortable. The seating position seems good. And he says 2013 specifically because that's the last year for the analog speedometer right in the middle. Interesting. He says he's weird. He likes it. Doesn't like the rectangle and center circle. All right. Fair enough. He also mentions a car we've very rarely, I don't think we've ever talked about this car. I don't think we have either. Yeah. A Nissan Juke Nismo RS. <laughs> what? Sure. He loves the quirky, different look. He thought the Nismo is just an appearance package, but the RS is more power, better seats, better handling. He hasn't driven it, but he sat in it, and he loves those RS sports seats. Mm, okay. He is currently resisting the urge to engine swap his MR2 with the Celica GTS powertrain Resist and transmission. the urge. Resist yeah, don't do the this. urge. He says this is all readily available from Monkey Wrench Racing in Michigan, mm-hmm. but he says he's afraid this will make the car, which can already be twitchy under certain conditions... Like when you start it up and drive it, <laughs> turn it into a spinning top. Wouldn't his money be better spent on something else? Yes, it would. Uh-huh. He's considered a Porsche Boxer S, but with the cost of the car and the maintenance, he doesn't think he could fit one in his budget. He could do Focus RS, but that would be like Veloster N territory. And then he could just do a Veloster Turbo at that point, but he likes that better than the Focus ST. <laughs> so round we go. What say us? John, thanks for writing. This is a very cool email. I, I like this debate here. Um, hmm, Front-wheel drive only. I, I, that's that's intriguing. I also think it's interesting that the Veloster N was too big. Not a big car. Yeah. Not an overly big car. I also think that the fact that that Fiesta ST spoke to you as much as it did is very key here. It makes me really wonder about that. I have a I have a, a wild card I really like. So I'm going to get there in a minute because I think it checks almost every box in a place he didn't go. But I'll get there in a minute. For right now, I'm going to say with the MR2, John, leave that alone. Don't do this engine swap because you like it so much and it works so well. And the thing I see from you is 
you drive your cars all the time, a lot. You put a ton of miles on them. You've said that. Even if this is, and it sounds like it is, even this is a very well-sorted swap, I don't think a full engine and drivetrain swap is going to hold up to the abuse of how many miles you put on a car as well as just exactly like Toyota made it. Yeah, agreed. Totally. So yeah. I think that's the thing. If you put the money into it, I think you're going to wind up with, forget the power for a second, ultimately a car that is less available for just your constant usage. So don't spend that money. Velocity is too big. I keep struggling with that. Okay. The Mini Cooper S is a great option, and I love it. I think you'd really, really like that car. I think you'd love it as a regular driver. I'm kind of surprised you find that easy enough to get it out of. I think it's because the door opens so wide. Mm -hmm. Because that's actually a car Mm -hmm. that you get much lower into the Mini than you do when you're a Bart. That's the whole thing about the Bart. The Bart, you just open the door and you're in the seat. That was the whole point. Is you've always, always talked about the H point on the 500 apart, Paul. The fact that it's it's kind of like a van. That was the intention. Get you yeah. up next to other drivers. Whereas the Mini is quite a bit lower. So I'm glad that it works for you, John. But I'm surprised by that. I'm going to give you two other options to look at and a wild card that I actually think checks all the boxes. Okay. The two to look at are the Mazda three it's and on the my Mazda list. CX thirty. Okay. Okay. It's the nicer version of kind of what you like about the Nissan Juke. I'm worried that the Mazda 3 might feel big as well, but we're talking about all-wheel drive things. The Nissan Juke RS is all-wheel drive too, so, we, so we're not completely You're talking turbo? Mazda 3 turbo? Yes, I am okay. talking the yeah. turbo. Now, yeah. the problem is that it may be just beyond your budget, but that's really the one you want. Agreed. You really want the turbo, yeah. the Mazda 3. The CX-30 is a little bit smaller. It's a little more hatchbacky, but you were considering the Nismo, the, the Juke. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that the CX-30 you might find to actually be the more compact package that you like better. Get the turbo version of that. I think you'd be very surprised by the CX-30. But my wild card is front-wheel drive, easy to get in and out of, very punchy, okay. would have plenty of cargo space, is surprisingly fun to drive, and is small and chuckable. Is it Evans GTI? It's not. Scrolling back oh, up that's here? good. Get oh, interesting. a Chevy Bolt. Interesting. 250 to 300 miles worth of range. You can get them with discounts. It is, it is front-wheel drive fun because it is electric front-wheel drive. I think you'd surprise yourself with a Bolt. John, I think you'd like that car, but only you can answer the question if it would work for your job, we don't for know. deliveries. We don't know. But I think... You're replacing a front-wheel drive thing. You want something with front-wheel drive punch. Now, you've also said you're a guy that likes some analog gauges. Sorry, those are gone. But electric car, Bolt. And if you can make that work, it's worth at least a drive. Absolutely. Just to know what we're talking about. But, John, I think a GTI works here. I think an Audi TT here works as well. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be the all-wheel drive. It can be front-wheel drive here, too. Sure. I don't know about the storage, but yeah. Storage isn't great, but he uses an MR2 right now for deliveries. Exactly. So you're doing fine. Doesn't, Audi TT yeah, yeah. is a limousine. And, and you notice we're replacing the 500 Abarth, the actual more usable car is the one on its way out. Oh, no. yeah. Now, that, both of those work. But my suggestions after that, I, I want it to be easy to get in and out of. And I, not that German cars can't go the distance, but at 35,000 miles a year, mm. things are going to wear out. Yeah. You're going to put some maintenance into these cars. What if you had a new Honda Civic Si instead? Hmm. It's bigger, but it's light. It's 2,900 pounds. Yeah, it doesn't feel big. It doesn't feel big. It has a faster you go. space. Yeah, the faster you go, the better it gets, the smaller it drives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Civic Si cannot be overlooked. That's very good. Now, that is manual transmission, 
But you could look over here, too, at the Acura Integra if you like the styling better. We haven't driven it yet. Sure, sure. You do have the option mm-hmm. for a CVT if you want to go that route. We're very skeptical of CVTs because, you know, mostly they suck. <laughs> Other than that, we're big fans. Beyond that, it's short, fine. Short of the fact that we hate them, they're but fine. Because of the suckitude, uh-huh. we may be discounted. But we haven't driven it yet, and it might be decent if you want to go automatic. But it, it also offers the six-speed manual tr- transmission with rev match. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then the the Mazda 3 Turbo, only automatic, but it's on my list too because it's so good to drive. It's all-wheel drive, mm. but it doesn't feel like it. It's not just, you know, you're towing an anchor at that point. It's like, ah, oh, this is terrible. It's light, it's crisp, mm. it's fun, it's interesting, and it's engaging every time you drive it. I think those are your options because we could, yeah, I, I like that Mini too, but you want slightly bigger. Again, imagine the Acura Integra or the Honda Civic Si, you're reliability all day long yeah fun to drive and good fuel economy yeah the civic is going to be killer on that it's going to be great like yeah if i recall 33 ish somewhere in there or better Mm -hmm. on the road i mean that cannot be argued with plus you can chuck that thing around it's a great match to that mr2 Mm. it's a great counterpoint i do like that a lot i think the bolt is a fascinating one but i really like your civic si there yeah girlfriend grandson yeah all your deliveries whatever the mystery deliveries that you make Uh honestly it's got huge trunk space if memory serves the back seat drops the civic the civic si honestly (laughs) i'm gonna say this and somebody's gonna write me a terrible email but it kind of makes the Accord irrelevant in my mind. It's just more fun and it has a ton of space. I agree. And it's front-wheel drive. It's yeah. thirty grand space. It's lightweight. I think you're done. Thank you guys, as always, for questions. We are back in the studio looking for questions. We'll be looking for, for them twice a week. We are still doing three podcasts a week. That is a Monday record, and we ask for questions for a Tuesday release. We are doing the Wednesday test drive release. Thursdays are still YouTube content on one or both of our YouTube channels, and then we record on Thursday asking for questions again for our Friday podcast releases. And right now, I'm going to remind you, we're in the middle of 13 weeks of television happening right now on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. So that's... That's a Tuesday through Saturday, everyday mm. driver content every single day if you're following along. Plus, we still have our writers dropping stuff every Wednesday. That happens on our actual website on the Writings tab. You can see brand new content every week there as well. I'm just going to say it. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm thrilled with the amount of content that we produce. It's great. Yeah. We've had a little bit of a hiccup just because of European travel, mm-hmm. and it was to be expected, but the fruit of everything that we've been doing and working so hard, taking the month of May to shoot, mm-hmm. the month of June to edit, yeah. and the remainder of July, I'm I'm very proud of the amount of content that's You guys coming. are going to see so much. There's so much big stuff coming. I'm really excited. On Facebook, Jeff H. was driving by the local Maserati dealership, and his daughter exclaimed, Hey, look, there's the Pickle Fork Company. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, he spends a lot of time talking about the show around his kids. Jeff, that just makes me smile. Thank you so much. That reminds me of the email that that we got while we were gone in Germany. I don't have it in front of me, and I apologize, but somebody wrote into us and said he was was in England walking into an Ikea, and as he walked into the (laughs) Ikea, like they went through the doors of the Ikea, and his 10-year-old son looked at him and went, I can't believe that's when he first realized it. And he said, what? <laughs> and he said, Todd, well, everyday driver. He, he didn't realize that he liked that meal so much. At which point the person writing said, so apparently you're just a topic of conversation now. <laughs> His 10-year-old was rem- remembering the fact that we were talking about our East Coast trip and somebody asked me what my favorite meal was. And I said it was this barbecue place we had in Indianapolis. And I realized it was my favorite because I was done with all my food before I realized, 
Oh, wait, it's gone? <laughs> and apparently, this poor guy's son, 10 years old, heard that podcast and was still processing it days later. So when they walked into Ikea, it was a topic of conversation. I, I like that we're infecting all of you with, with these car discussions. It actually is really fun. And when we were on this pilgrimage trip or we have our upcoming Utah meetup, the, the registration for that is coming soon. Mm, yeah. We get into great conversations with all of you. Anytime we gather, it's so much fun. I told you my sister Julie and brother-in-law Daniel were vacationing in Oregon and they drove through Tillamook. <laughs> And she said, you're right. It's the Ikea of cheese. It is the Ikea of cheese. The still, coloring, everything. Still have not gotten an angry letter from the CEO, but uh, I'm sure it's forthcoming. It's it's free advertising. The Ikea of cheese. <laughs> Alan S. writes to us. He says, what was the craziest? I can't believe someone is tracking one of those cars we saw on the Nürburgring. Mm. I've got it. Oh, okay. It is the TVR Cerbera Speed 6. Yeah, there was one of those. That went there? by me at speed. It's like, what? They're at TVR? Okay, watch the road. I was actually driving a fairly, not not hugely fast, but a fairly at least decent, like didn't embarrass myself lap on the ring. And I was behind a guy in a fully ring prepped NB Miata. Oh, really? With a roll cage and a passenger. So second gen Miata. And it was clearly set up for the ring. And he, he knew the ring and he was honing. Jeez. We were together for a few awesome. corners. I, w- I came up behind him. We were together for a few corners, and then he saw me get a little close, and then he put it down, and I had a passenger. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to let you go. But he was driving well, and it was really cool to see people just hooning a Miata on the ring. There was so much great stuff there. We were there during a track day, and it was a, a British car club that was there. So all kinds of cars you cannot imagine were suddenly on the ring, and it was crazy to see that. There were actually a surprising number of wrecks the day we were there, which is a little bit too bad. I suppose maybe we've gotten off lightly in the past days when we've maybe. been there, and maybe, maybe this is normal. We're catching up, yeah. <laughs> and we've just discovered normal, but it was <laughs> crazy. Just, jeez, back off. It's not a race. There's no points for first. No, there's and there's, there's, there's yeah, it's bad. There's no prize money in the end. You got away with a wrecked car. You wrecked the uh-huh. Armco. You paid for the downtime of the track, and you might be hurt. Yeah, all bad. Hello. Rocco wrote in and asked us another thing about the trip. He said, favorite car we saw or drove... And then back against the wall, would we prefer American cars or European cars? That part's hard. Hmm. Probably European cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, and I say that because right now, America makes so few cars. Well, that's, that's actually yeah. my way out of that answer. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they yeah. make so few cars here in the U.S. anymore, which is too bad. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, it gets even harder. But uh, favorite car I saw, uh, multiple Paganis at Spa. The Paganis were great looking. The Zonda convertible next to yeah. the Wyra BC. I mean, the Apollo IE is interesting because it's so crazy, but it was the two Paganis that I was much more intrigued by. I wish I had a chance to drive either one of those. That would have been awesome. Best car I drove? I'm not telling you yet because videos are coming. Yeah, I guess I can't tell yet either. But yeah, the, the Apollo is eye candy, and I just enjoyed seeing cars that we don't get in North America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll give you this one. It was the lap in the Renault Megane RS mm, mm. Trophy R. Yeah. All three of us, Chance, Todd, and I, all had a chance to ride with Ron. It's only a two-seater, so those car. are three different laps, by the way, but yeah. And you've heard, hopefully, the last podcast. We told you about that car. It was the one that Renault built to take the front-wheel drive lap record back away from Honda. Yeah. They had specific tires for it. Ron had that thing sideways most of the ring. Yeah, front-wheel drive car, mostly sideways. Yeah. Holy cow. 
I didn't know. I mean, the air conditioner still wasn't the greatest, but still, the car was amazing. <laughs> I love the styling. We saw another Megane RS. Yeah. So cool looking. The, the styling really is great, just yeah. on point. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed seeing that. Of course, all the crazy Porsches and yeah, just yeah. general madness. There's all kinds of Ferraris. But what I love seeing the most is people with expensive cars mm. willing to track them. Yeah, yeah. Almost doesn't matter what it is. But the people that, you know, the car's got some tire rubber down the side and yeah. it's, you know, bug encrusted and, you know, the Manti <laughs> 911 GT3. Guy just driving the daylights out of that thing. Yeah, Good. Yeah. That's what you yeah, bought yeah. it for. Mm. It's a waste if you don't. And I've, I'm increasingly changing my tune on that. And the more we go to Belgium and Germany and you see these expensive cars, Ferraris just being thrashed. Yeah. It actually makes me happy. I agree. It's what they're they're for. You should be doing that. Let's hope they hold up. Actually, related to that was Antti's question. He said, what was, he's asked if my pulse uh, raced while approaching the Paganis. Did we get to drive? No, we did not. How how does the crazy Apollo compare? The the Pagani has a a refinement and a class to it that the Apollo doesn't. The Apollo is so over the top. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it doesn't have, the, the other thing about the Paganis when you're close to them is you can really tell they are hand-built in a good way. Yeah. I know I, I know people that have driven them. <laughs> 70s said, British car, hand-built in a bad way. It is possible, yes. <laughs> but there's there's a lot of meticulous reality. The Apollo feels like somebody went crazy with a 3D printer. It's all mm-hmm. very impressive, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like we, we tried to be as refined and classy and as long-reaching as we can. The Paganis, again, the Zonda is 20 years old. Think about that. But you see That's it in amazing. person. And you Jeez. just go, that looks really cool. I think the wire is going to age really well. I think the Apollo is going to kind of age poorly. But remember, they did the Gumpert Apollo, which everybody referred to as, yeah. as ugly. This is the Apollo IE, which actually is fantastic to see, especially moving. It's like a spaceship. It's really weird. It just doesn't have the class of the Paganis, which is a weird sentence. Over on Twitter, Ted Theologan asks our thoughts on new Eau Rouge. I believe what you're talking about is the new pavement. It desperately needed it. There was also the the house is gone. Mm-hmm. The corner has been reshaped. Not not the track itself, but the corner where the grandstands are. The so runoff, that is newly the added. Part, yeah. Runoff is a lot more. The bumps and the runoff are now gone. The bumps on the surface of the track are gone, which is great. It's still very steep, but the the new asphalt has transformed that corner because you can turn in so late, hold it straight up mm-hmm. the track. You get light. It is such an incredible corner. But what I liked the most was the new corner at turn nine, speaker mm-hmm. corner, yeah. that is an earlier turn, and they had it coned off in the morning and then opened up the old track later on in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. But there was a huge grassy section. They're like, let's get the braking done early, turn in down the hill, and you get straighter sooner. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. It doesn't detract from the flow at all. A spa. I really liked it. I agree. Everything about Eau Rouge Radion is the same from a driving perspective. Your line didn't change. The car does the same stuff. All of that from a driving perspective is the same as it was. But yes, this new corner is is a new twist for sure. It's just so cool to be on spa. Agreed. The ring, I think I just like the flow. I I don't know that I have one particularly favorite corner, but I just, I love the flow of everything. And I like connecting everything now that we've been there enough. And, you know, we kind of understand a little bit of the line. I'm not saying we know how to do it, but... You know, we've heard about 100 laps in, you kind of know it. And about 10,000 laps in, you can say, you're good, right? (laughs) It's going to take a while. We haven't reached our 100 yet, but we're getting there. We are are hunting it down. John's asking about the R&D of car companies and how much they're putting toward EVs. Do we think vehicle solar panels will be a possibility as an alternative energy source? And do we think that will be 
essentially restricted or prevented by traditional oil companies. Well, first thing to keep in mind is traditional, traditional oil companies know that the world is changing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they are working very hard to be energy companies, not just oil companies. We were in uh, Europe just now, and I was noticing that the company Total, mm-hmm. that has always been an oil company, has changed their logo to be now Total Energy because they are branching out beyond oil and everything else. All of these companies are doing this. So they're going to move with the times, and they're going to be want to be part of all of it. The interesting thing about a solar car is the amount of power it takes to move a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will we get yeah. there? Maybe. But you'll notice that most of the cars that have been solar cars so far are unbelievably light, just better than bicycles. Because yeah. solar yeah. power, while abundant... It's the it's the level of power moving through an electric car that is very hard to replicate by just having sun in, power out of the wheels, because all of these electric cars are way too heavy. Can somebody solve this? Probably. Do I think it's coming anytime soon? Probably not. Yeah, to that point, I still think there's going to be a mix of internal combustion engines. Yes. You know, varieties of that, continually better fuel consumption, you know, fuel economy and emissions as well as new technology being explored. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to be in this space for a long time, still figuring out which is best and say synthetic fuels come along. The internal combustion engine is going nowhere. I agree. Yeah. It's going to stay for a while, but you know, maybe electric cars come on, you know, they rise because of lightweight batteries and new technology, but it's going to take a while. And so I see the coexistence and especially like you said, being there, Mm -hmm. I see high performance cars still being, powered by gas engines Mm -hmm. and that's still part of the driving experience and that still sells cars that cannot be ignored but i think a mix of both from car companies really is the sweet spot you know maybe the performance cars versus you know models that are mpvs or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i I think a a more distinct mix from car ceos rather than up we're just going all electric that's it well because if you want something you you don't buy a tesla i mean you're not you know doing high performance drive i mean you can but it doesn't last Mm -hmm. Not like the Ferraris and Porsches and all that stuff. Well, that's the big question that, that we can keep bumping up against is all of these regulations for no nothing but electric cars till 2030 or 2035. I believe those mandates are going to be rolled back. I, I think fully they're going to change. Because yeah. the infrastructure is not going to be there to support it. And if you force the public to buy that, I think some of the public will cave and some of the public will hang on to their old stuff because you can still get gas for it and the infrastructure is going to be easier. I do think, obviously, electrics are coming, and I, I like your mix commentary. I think that's going to be the case for a long, long time. I really do. Andrew S. asks, our ultimate three-car setup, if we could only have one pure sports car, oh, one wow. GT-style cruiser, and one practical people mover, bonus points for a version that would actually you'd actually spend your money on, as well as the fantasy It's No Money version. I, I want to dive deep into this, Andrew, but I have to hold off until a particular video comes out. Well, and I also think it's a topic Tuesday. I think it's a it's car. It's a longer It's, it's a big discussion. Because we haven't done this since like we started the podcast. We started talking about Dream, dream Garages. Then it'd be good to revisit it. I love that. Yeah, I, I like the variety of it too. And mm-hmm. I've come up with the three-car solution, the four-car solution. But then <laughs> yeah. there's reasons that I can't quite reveal yet because the video needs to be accompanied so you can see our reactions and yeah. see this what, this particular car. I own three sports cars right now, and I cannot believe that's the case. And I'm, I'm counting the 86 that you and I own together. I'm counting that yeah, as well. But it's, sure, it's crazy sure. to think about the fact I have the bit. Porsche that is the SUV, <laughs> and then I have the Nissan 300ZX, the Lotus, and the 86. And somehow those are all three different sports cars that I love having in my life. This is an interesting discussion. I'd love to, to tear that down further. 
Over on Instagram, MattGarra82 asks why there aren't more designs of headlights using the cavity or shape of the metal instead of the headlight pieces. Example is the Alpha Brera. You know, ultimately, it's headlight lighting technology that we're seeing change. And manufacturers want to utilize it, but they also want to save money. Of course, manufacturing always comes into play when you're designing a car and you say, you know, we can do that. That particular shape drawn by a designer then has to be figured out as to what lighting tech is going in there. How much does it cost? Of course, manufacturers are always thinking about this and it affects the design process and engineering brings in, you know, here's what we're limited to and the amount of space. Mm -hmm. Lighting technology is ultimately what it comes down to and how easily is it replaceable? How expensive is it for the car and what kind of profit, you know, is that eating into our profits? Speaking of cars, we happened to see when we were over in Germany. You posted a bunch of great stuff on Instagram. There's a bunch more coming, but I forgot to bring up this one. We were in a car park Mm -hmm. at our hotel, and every night, in fact, parked there for days, was the same SUV. It was the Maybach GLS 600 (laughs) SUV. Now, if you don't know what this is, we have actually thoroughly enjoyed the current big boy SUV from Mercedes, which is the, the GLS 63 the big AMG seven-passenger SUV from Mercedes. We really, really like it. The one last we had was like 160 grand. Well, there's a Maybach version, if you didn't know, that if, if, if that one's not good enough for you, you get the Maybach version, which starts 160 grand and goes up. Most of the ones we've actually seen specced are well over $200,000 for your seven-seat SUV. There was a two-tone Maybach, blue on the top, white on the bottom, sitting in the parking lot for days. It did not have a Covercraft cover. It did not have a Covercraft sunscreen. It needed one. It was just getting baked in the sun. We looked in it to see the really nice kind of caramel-colored seats, except you couldn't see the big back executive seats because the best part of the whole discussion, it had a carbon fiber front clip sitting across the back seats. I was like, you know you have disposable income. When you've come to the ring, <laughs> you've parked your GLS that is there as as just your, uh, your hauling vehicle. You've parked it like a normal car. With extra car parts sitting across the leather executive seats while you go to the ring and drive your car in case it might need said car parts. There are a lot of combinations of cars hauling race cars. And yes. you think, mm-hmm. you can do that. Well, I guess if you have enough money, you can do that. There, there were a lot of those discussions that went well, on. You know, actually, while we were there, one of the big things that kept coming up was the proliferation of wagons. Yes. And the number of people yes. that were hauling stuff you can't possibly imagine behind their family wagon. Person hauling race car behind so cool. three series wagon or five series wagon, and it's and it, and it wasn't like rinky dink trailer, like worthwhile trailer with track car on it being hauled by wagon mm-hmm. that rolls into the ring or a spa. Very cool to see. One last question for me, which is actually back to wagons. Ed on Facebook is asking this question: Track Daily Crush. We were just at the ring. We're talking about wagons. He's talking the new announced BMW M3 wagon which is the one thing trying to reclaim the beaver teeth look, the Mercedes E63 wagon, which our friend Derek has, and it is brilliant, and the Audi RS6. We saw a lot of Audi RS6 driving around in Germany and also on the ring. So cool. They look cool. They sound amazing. I think I'm crushing the BMW. I just think I can't get past the beaver teeth. I, I agree. I, I, can't, I can't do it, which means I'm going to daily the Mercedes because it's a fantastic place to be. Brace myself for the consumables, for either one of these wagons, but embrace myself for the consumables and drive the Audi RS6 on track. Brakes are so big on that car. They're, they're ma- the brakes are bigger than most people's wheels. I am horrified to think of what the consumables are. And I, I, we haven't driven the car, and I don't know what it's like on track. I just know what it was doing on the ring. 
in the hands of other people, both during our track day and also when they were doing testing. And that car is shockingly capable on the ring, I can tell, which makes me want to drive it. So I would love to drive the Audi RS6 on the ring or anywhere else, daily that Mercedes and crush the Beamer. You know what seemed shockingly not capable on the ring was the day that we got there and we were, mm. we were on the manufacturer test day yes. because we rolled in, got there a little bit early before dinner. So we just decided to go to YouTube Corner Yep, and we we're watching the camouflaged cars go by from various manufacturers. Yes. We saw all kinds of stuff. We saw, I believe, the AMG EQE go by, just Looked whoosh like by. Looked like it, yeah. And then this giant hulking SUV came down, mm-hmm. got real squirrely. Yeah. Like, looked like it really wanted to flip. Tires squealing, body driver, roll happening. Yeah. Driver saved it. We thought, that looks like an X7. That's probably the M version. Uh-huh. Why? It was being hooned. I mean, to the credit why? of the driver. Yes, but It was why? being like edge of its capability hooned. The only thing I can think of is that ring pedigree sells. Yes. Yes, you want every BMW to drive great. They have driving yeah. in their history. Mm-hmm. They yeah, want it to sure. handle well, better than most, of course. But this thing is huge. Mm-hmm. Does it need to turn lap times at the ring? Do we need to? <laughs> Agree. Full of seven people, you know, clutching everything in fear. Yes. Is this a fun activity with your giant SUV? <laughs> that will never be driven on the ring. Except in development, my ever. Seven it will never be tracked. My seven-seat SUV has a good ring time. <laughs> it's not the Who point. Cares? You can do this with Mercedes. They've got the, yeah. the track special oh, you yeah, know, for sure. track yeah. prepped app. and You can do it, but why? What? It boggles me when I see Range Rovers come around on the ring. Mm. What are you guys doing? You're the world's premier off-road brand. Yeah. And That's you're funny. testing on the ring because yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still don't get it. It's just so not necessary. <laughs> Other than that, it was really entertaining to watch this thing get squirrely and screech. It's you know. YouTube Corner. You've seen oh, it gosh. many, many, many times, and it is amazing to watch people hoon around there. And this was clearly a very talented factory driver. For sure. Because this thing was at the edges of grip, and it was and not like edges of grip, like, whoa, that doesn't corner well. It was like going surprisingly quick. I need you to understand it was very fast. It just looks really, really wrong to see something that big and that high riding terrifying its tires and the public as it just careens around the corners. Very impressive. It just drives up the hill out of sight, making glorious noises, just and you just think, well, that was stupid. Wholly <laughs> unnecessary, yes. <laughs> Guys, thank you for all your questions. Really appreciate it. We're glad to be back from our trip, and we have so much content to share. It's coming coming very soon. Catch us on our TV season. Don't forget that. Set your DVRs, and hopefully you watch it live in person. And also YouTube, watch for stuff coming out. Thank you guys. Looking forward to next time. Cheers.